It's hard to believe, but we are at number 50. Episode number 50 on Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International. And what a great guest for our 50th. Martha Mayhood Mertz. She founded Athena International and she wrote the book we refer to on this podcast. And she's going to offer you a lot of value here, especially how you can become the best leader possible. Now, that book I talked about is Becoming Athena, Eight Principles for Enlightened Leadership. And you can get that book at MarthaMertz.com. Of course, you don't have to write that down because there is a link in your show notes section on this podcast. The only slight bummer of this podcast is I was having a little trouble with my Skype when I recorded Martha. So you're going to notice some little minor audio hits, but it's not going to detract at all from the great content that you are about to experience. Thank you very much for going on this journey with us. We truly appreciate you. And without further ado, let's start episode number 50. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. This is episode number 50, and it is my honor and privilege to bring on a very special guest for what is our golden anniversary episode. Anyway, that's what I'm calling it. See if you can guess who this is. So she has a lot of leadership expertise. She has literally been a keynote speaker all over the world. She led the research and development of an organization that we all hold near and dear to our heart. And she's an author that we often reference on this podcast. I am speaking of the one and only Martha Mertz, who founded Athena International and the book I talk about, Becoming Athena, Eight Principles for Enlightened Leadership. That's a book we talk about all the time on this podcast. Martha, thank you for being here. I cannot think of a better guest for episode number 50 and welcome. Well, Jeff, it's a pleasure to be with you, and congratulations on this very successful venture of yours. It's one of the most interesting set of uh, interviews that I can remember listening to, so much appreciated. Well, thank you. That is is very kind of you to say, and that uh, after going through your book, and by the way, you, if you don't have Martha's book, go to MarthaMertz.com, and that's Martha, M-E-R-T-Z dot com. Get that book. It's literally going to change your leadership journey. And Martha, there's so many things to talk about with your career. And really, you know, I just would like you to kind of go over from the beginning, moving forward, how you've seen the changes through this entire journey that you've been on, this very interesting journey. And I'd really, as guests of the podcast and listeners know, I'd like to turn over the mic to my guest as soon as possible. So to the floor is yours. And again, welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff. And you write about having an interesting journey. I think that a lot of women who have lived during the time I have, and I was way back in the last century when things, um, professional things began for me, will describe their life as a journey. 
we didn't necessarily have a direction that, that we could see was possible for us back then. And everything that we did, we kind of had to invent or create ourselves. So a lot of, of the, the people who came through that time, especially the women, had to be resilient. They had to be courageous. They had to bet on themselves. They had to uh, endure. Um, they had to work really hard. And it, it helped a lot if they loved what they were doing because when you really are engaged in your work, then it doesn't seem that you're working as hard as you really are. But we've seen chapters and verses throughout this last several decades that have seen change in virtually every aspect of women in work. And it's um, it's a most fascinating study. And I think you're getting a really good view of what it took then, what was learned, and what it takes now for women to find their voice and a path and forge ahead and um, and find the success that they're seeking. So that's the beginning of a story. Yeah, and there was a lot that went into that story. From it, it started at an early age where you always had an itch that the society's views of where women fit in really, in a lot of ways, chafed you. And it just didn't fit with the worldview that you were developing, even at an early age. So maybe you could talk to us about the beginnings of where that came from and how you were able to nurture that and really develop Athena and the leadership principles that you did. But it started at a very early age with you where you said, hey, you know what? I, this doesn't make yeah. sense to me. You're totally right. I was three, and I don't uh, think that I'm saying I was that precocious. The thing that changed in my world when I was three was that my little brother was born. I now sometimes, when I'm out speaking, call him King David. And the reason that I do that is because it soon became clear to me that there was something about this male in our family that there were many more options as we grew up together. And we had a wonderful time growing up together. He's a fabulous man now and was a great little brother. Um, but as time went on, I could see that my options for my future were narrowing. And his, he had a, a full menu of options. And I thought that kind of stricture from society was wrong. And um, at a very early age, and it never left me, it became my fierce advocacy to try to change the views that society had about capabilities and potential for women. And so lucky me, at age three, I knew some of where I was going to be going. But the real story didn't... Um, come along until, well, let me just tell you another one. When I was a child, I loved playing Monopoly with my father. He and I would sit, and, and my siblings too, but for whatever reason, playing Monopoly 
with him and um, taking risks and going around the board and getting to go again and counting up what I've lost or won, whatever it was prepared me for my professional career. Who knew that the first parts of um, education about career was going to happen when I was eight, nine, ten years old. But um, I ultimately, as an entrepreneur, became a real estate developer. And that was um, unusual for a woman to be involved in something like that. It was unusual partly because women weren't known to be willing to take risks with money. Or it, it also had to do with reputation. But I had played Monopoly. I, I knew that if I worked hard enough, if I could make something happen, then it would be investing in. And so... Throughout my early years, and not just the early years, as an entrepreneur, I started with $500 play money, is what I called it, partner who was a builder, and the two of us put our $500 investments together and started to purchase little pieces of land and then selling those and taking the proceeds and and building on that kind of an investment. And it, eventually, I ended up with pretty strong portfolio of properties because I never, I didn't sell them. I kept them. And they were wrong properties, and some of them I built and some of them I acquired. But that that was the path that I took in terms of finding my way into an entrepreneurial setting. And it set me up for all kinds of other things later on, which I can talk about, but you're in charge here. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, as you know, the guest is in charge. What a great opportunity to interview you. And uh, really, you who have interacted with leaders all over the world and to get your perspective to uh, have our listeners be able to just be better with what they're doing. So one story I want to dig into from the book, and this really goes back to, this is kind of an early, one of the tenets of the eight Athena leadership principles is to act courageously. And when you were sure, and I'll have you expand on this story, but you were absolutely sure in your real estate development that this particular tract of land would be great for this fast food franchise this mm -hmm. this restaurant and you were determined that it was going to work you had done your studies and but you had to you had to really take a risk to do that so i'm sure other entrepreneurs listening right now would definitely benefit from a behind the scenes look at that story yeah, that's a very interesting story, and it really started a little earlier than that. Um, I had a call from a gentleman who lived in another community nearby who was looking to place a new franchise that he had purchased, and during the day, he was a disc jockey on the radio in that community, and so he described what he was looking for, and I started the research you just talked about, and I did find a piece of property that was absolutely just 
it wasn't there yet. It had, it was coming. The trends were moving. It was on a major street. So I called him back, set an appointment for um, my opportunity to show it to him. And I was in Michigan at the time. It was cold. I waited and waited and did not show up. So I called him back and, okay, we set another appointment. And the same thing happened again. He didn't come. And so now I'm kind of um, distressed. And uh, I went to my builder partner and said, there's a piece of land here that is an ideal piece of land for development. It is part of 55 acres of property, but I know a buyer for the first part of this property. And so we put an offer on 55 acres of land and and, um, took control with the offer. It was accepted and we hadn't closed yet. Then I called the man back and told him that um, I was ready to show him this property again. He said to me, lady, I would never buy a commercial property from a woman. And I said, yes, you will. Because I have now, my partner and I have control of this property. And if you want it, you will have to buy it from me. And um, he did. He came. That got his attention. He came. He bought the property. He paid at least half what we were going to be paying for that 55 acres for his less than two acres of property. And the final part of that story is uh, it was the very best location that he had throughout the region, and he had several of these, and what they were were Wendy's. He had purchased one of the first franchises for Wendy's. And at the time, I thought, you better hold on to your day job because who's going to go up against McDonald's? Sure, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, but uh, it was the best location he had. And I learned something both about human nature and his hubris and my determination and belief in after all the research, after everything I'd learned, how clear it was that that was a good direction to go. So it was a learning experience for all of us. And I guess that's part of all of these adventures that we have in our careers. Each circumstance that comes along seems to be such a great opportunity to learn something. And sometimes you don't have a clue what you're going to learn going in. And sometimes it, it, you learn hard lessons from these things. But it's important to take away something that adds to your character and your awareness and your knowledge and um, your strength in facing whatever comes next. Anyway, it was a great adventure. And um, having ownership of that 55 acres gave my partner and me the opportunity to leverage from that time. We had credibility then. Well, I want to do another plug for your book because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening, you don't have this book yet, you got to get it, MarthaMertz.com and get this book. And there's a lot of great stories in this book as well. And maybe you could talk through the process of writing the book and telling those stories. I would love to. Um, the uh, the eight principles, just discovering that we had questions um, that were arising. Let me take you back a little bit. When After we had this Athena Award, it was a way to encourage leadership um, through this new face of leadership of leaders who were women. Um, and we had built a pretty strong 
position across the country, would go as an ambassador to various Athena events, and they were very um, wonderful events. The whole community would turn out, and um, one person would be identified as the recipient of this award, and that person would be honored for having achieved the highest level of professional excellence in whatever their profession was, for having given back of their time and talent to the, their community in some way, and also for having opened leadership opportunities for others, particularly for women, because w th there wasn't ample representation at the table at that time. Still isn't, but um, that's a different story. So I would hear the recipient in front of 300 people or many more sometimes say, I don't really see myself as a leader. And the first time I heard that, I thought it was very humble of the person to say that whenever I was giving her a standing ovation for her leadership. And the fourth time I heard that, I realized something else was being said. And, what was, and, and so we asked the question, how are women leading? If they don't see them in the traditional kind of leadership path, then what is it that they're doing differently? And so we put out a survey, did, called in experts, uh, got a research grant from the Kellogg Foundation, and um, studied ways women lead. And that's where these principles come from. There are We found eight distinctly different strengths that... All of these women that we studied, and they were all Athena recipients at that point, um, were bringing to their leadership, were bringing to make them effective in whatever realm they were working in. And it, now, if I look at it, I see that it's kind of taking family values and family kind of environment and relationship kind of environment into the professional realm. There are two kinds of leadership that I talk about, and one of them is the traditional model, which is based upon, it's very old, centuries old, and it's based upon the military model. It's a hierarchy. It looks like a ladder. There are positions down and titles and importance, and it's, um, it, it has... Um, You'll find it in most of the institutions around the country, and it has withstood the test of time. It's a very nice way to keep things orderly and understood and so on. What women came into the workplace with was a different model. What they brought was what they were accustomed to, and it took us that long to figure out that it wasn't the same set of strengths that the hierarchical model provides. Now, we all learn the, um, the traditional model of leadership, and it's now maybe the most important work that Athena International is doing is teaching everyone, this isn't just for women, it's for everyone, teaching this model of leadership, because when you put the two together, I think it makes a perfect whole. Um, we need traditional order in some sense, and uh, we also need the more human traits that are identified through this Athena leadership model. Let me just cover a couple of them. The, the one that came first and is probably, it's what I say is the most important strength for a leader is living authentically. And what does that mean? And why would that be the most important? Well, Keep in mind that a lot of the women that I'm talking about were being honored for work that they had done, which wasn't necessarily in um, 
uh, uh, the professional structure. Some of them had, let's just say, uh, started a hospital in the area that didn't have adequate health care. And um, nobody paid them to do that. And oftentimes, lots of times, these positions were earned from the passion that the person had to do something. And altogether, when you look at a leader who is, is um, living authentically, it's someone who knows who they are. Who am I? What do I value? Am I living my values? And we can see when somebody really has a sense of who they are, they are able to inspire other people and draw other people. It's kind of a charisma of solid, honest, full of integrity, knowing themselves and knowing what they value and living those. A person who is a really great leader lives authentically and uh, people are willing to listen to what they have to say just because it's coming from such a core place within that person. The next one that we list is learning constantly. It comes from an, a need to know how to do very well in whatever it is. It comes from a need to know what is happening in the world that we live in or even outside of our reach. And um, I've worked in places of um, very high achievement and I have seen people who considered themselves to have become the fountain of all knowledge. And once you stop learning, the world will pass you by. It takes a little bit of ego strength to say, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. If someone says or stands there and represents themselves as knowing everything important, then that person didn't bother to learn anymore. And it just shows up. Building relationships. Uh, women love to build relationships. And, um, and in the world that we live in, it's a very important thing to build relationships, not only with the person who works next to you or across the hall, but for building relationships with people who work across the country or across cultures and continents. We are a small world, and we need to know how to work together, how to, how to thrive together, and building relationships is fundamental to that. So these are the kinds of strengths that we found and are incorporated into this Athena leadership model. And I'll take the opportunity to mention the other ones. And by the way, you can pick these up if you uh, or when you get Martha's book. It should be a when, of course. Advocate fiercely, act courageously, foster collaboration, give back and celebrate. And all great principles that we cover through various guests in this podcast. And of course, we are going to continue to do so. And Martha, I was just about to ask you that question or a question about the Athena Award. And what I found most interesting in the book when it came to the Athena Award was that intentionally, and I'm not saying that a woman that was prominent in her community, it didn't automatically disqualify her, but it wasn't automatically that woman that was out front that everybody knew was a leader that was necessarily the award winner. In fact, you have some pretty specific criteria for Athena Award winners, and you touched on that just 
a little bit ago, but it's really not necessarily that person that's out front that everybody knows, but it's that that connector and that is building others up. So maybe you could expand uh, from your view of what makes an Athena leader. We will hear more from our guest in just a second. But first, Athena International has a big event coming up in October and you should be there. Let's take a pause and get the details from event co-chair and Athena International board member, Sherry Jones. Want to enhance your leadership skills? Join us this October in the beautiful Hudson River Valley, New York for the 2019 Athena International Women's Conference. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Athena Leadership Model and the impact of the eight principles of enlightened leadership. Register at becomingathena.org. That's a really very nice question. What we started out to do was to identify one person from the community who was who would serve as a role model for um, all of the others who who didn't have anyone to look at, anyone to be drawn to, anyone to inspire them as to what they would be capable of doing. So. From the earliest stages, we decided that there were three strengths that we wanted to lift up and say, this is what is important in leadership. And as I mentioned earlier, it has to start with uh, professional excellence or personal excellence. It has to start with a person who is inspiring by the way that they are living, being in the community. So that's the first criteria, and it, and it doesn't make any difference how this person expresses that. We've had Athena recipients who are volunteer, professional volunteers. We've had Athena recipients who are presidents of universities and um, leaders within government and everything every possible variation. Of course, there are over close now to 8,000 Athena recipients internationally. So um, we've got quite a lot of people who've been inspiring others. But so excellence and then the value of giving back because a person who achieves a lot um, has built their career on I'm going to say because others had come along and paved the way for them in some ways. And people who think that they've done it all by themselves aren't really aren't right about that. It's um, this is a community of achievers and uh, we learn from each other. So someone who achieves a huge amount of success or finds their path and makes it, it the best possible has to also have as part of their value giving back, making the community a, a better place, leaving a, a different legacy in some way. So that's the second one. And the third one has to do with the times that we were in. And this one is that they've opened leadership opportunities for others. When I first started my company, I saw a couple women in a community who had achieved a pretty high visibility and success, and yet they didn't want other women to come along. They were enjoying this singular status of, of um, achievement, and so it, it wasn't their value system to bring anyone else along, and uh, we called that the Queen Bee Syndrome. Thankfully, I think that it's kind of wiped out at this point, but 
what we saw then was it was going to be important for women who did achieve to open leadership opportunities for others so that they also could find their footing, find their voice, and make their way as they would into the path that they were going to take. So those three things are the criteria for Athena Awards. And um, the interesting thing about Athena is that we've taken both the award itself which inspires people and the Athena leadership model to um, other cultures and uh, and taught this model and identified why elevating one um, causes everyone to be lifted. And um, I, I was thinking before we talked today that I've had the great experience to be presenting these ideas in Russia, in China, in India, in Africa, and all of these are different cultures. But when I'm talking about the values and the reasons and the philosophy behind this, I see people nodding and it's resonating with them. And uh, so I think it's basically a human, a human nature set of strengths that, um, that this model is and it's in my view the most important work that we've done and it is uh, as i said earlier too it isn't just for women i have two sons and a daughter my sons are fiercely athena connected with their the, the way they demonstrate these values in professional life and um, i think that as you're talking about athena leaders throughout these podcasts um, it's clear that you're able to teach people about things that aren't the traditional study of leadership, that this is something that is additive, that it's powerful, and it's fundamentally important, and it needs to be attached to any idea about what is leadership in the 20th century. Yeah, and I, I agree totally. And the the breadth and depth of the guests on this podcast that we've had and will have are going to continue to bring those values forward. And uh, I'm really happy to be a part of that. And it's, a, uh, it's definitely something I feel very lucky to be a part of. And I know when we were talking off the air, we had, we talked about the learning. We talked about the need for balanced leadership with men and women and how it's all important. And maybe we could just, as we're coming into the last part of the podcast here, I'd like to give you the mic one more time. Because I think I, I will not forgive myself if I don't ask this question. I know the audience will not forgive me if I don't ask this question. Is is that like I would like you to address to leaders right now that are listening what you would like to tell them as far as what they should be doing as they're leading into the 21st century? Great question. Well... What I would tell people now is not the same message as I would have shared so many years ago, and yet it has echoes of the same message. So what I would say, first of all, is find your voice. For so many years, women could not, were afraid, didn't have the courage, didn't believe they had enough of a message to speak up. And, um, and express themselves and their ideas and their creativity. So the, probably one of the most fundamental things that I think is important for any leader 
is to learn how to articulate your vision, your views on various subjects, to learn how to articulate those things in a compelling fashion. It takes practice. You have to pick up a word every day. You have to practice getting in front of uh, groups of people and finding the way to communicate that is that draws people to you, that, that makes them interested in what you are talking about. Just as a side note, I need to tell you that I was terrified of public speaking, terrified. And yet I was a little bit more passionate about my message than I was about the terror. So I would venture toward a podium and address a group of people who had gathered. And sometimes I would forget to breathe and I'd nearly fall off the podium. But the passion for my message was overpowering my terror. And (laughs) over time, you can overcome just about anything if you work hard enough at it. So that has gone away. And then believe in yourself, which now I think young women are socialized in a way that there isn't a question about whether women are capable or have potential to do things. There just isn't. That question has been resolved. We haven't arrived at a balance in voices of leadership, but we are working our way toward that. It's taken much longer than I would have thought. Know yourself. Know who you are. Ask yourself, what do you value? And this isn't just a one-time self-discovery because as the pressures in our life come from different directions, as the responsibilities get heavier, weightier, as the risks might be um, higher and maybe more visible, those times when people who haven't cemented their values are tempted to move aside a little bit and do something only once. I'm going to slide over here and do it a little differently. But it's important to keep track of what you're doing and how well it matches with what you believe you are valuing. So as a leader, I think that is an incredibly fundamental question. And then I think the, the way that I've kept myself so interested both in the properties that I still have and in the Athena work that I've been doing for 30-some years is that I knew to close the door for my work and go home and nourish myself, refill I never got to the point where I just didn't have enough left uh, to go forward. I never got there because every day I would go home and find a way to fill my spirit in a different way. And I had, as I said, three children, loved all of their activities, never missed, maybe I missed one or two, but boy, I sure didn't miss many. And um, that was just another side of life that, but it gave me a way to refill my spirit so that when I went back to work the next day, I was refreshed. I, I had rested some part of me. So I think that that's a way for people to uh, deal with the constant stress one. We have to put our phones down now. We have to turn things off and find a way some part of the day to give back to ourselves because you want to have decades of contributing 
to your own happiness and to the adventure of living. You want to have decades of that. And in order to do that, I think it's really important to stay fresh and to stay kind of loving um, what it is you're doing. And if you're finding yourself in a place that you aren't satisfied or getting any kind of level of satisfaction for what you are doing, then it's time to explore beyond that place and uh, take a risk. Maybe wait until you know that it's right for you. Leaping before you study it isn't um, always a good idea and often isn't a good idea. So those would be the things I would say, Jeff. It's basically just fundamental, common sense kind of ways to keep your life interesting and and fulfilling and and joyful. (laughs) Nothing says that we we can't be happy and joyful, right? No. In fact, I think it's important to strive for that. Sometimes all we can see is, oh, my God, I have this terrible responsibility or it's cold out and I'm and I I have to be outside or whatever, whatever. But there are little things in our lives that are are that we would miss a lot if they weren't there. So sometimes it's nice just to make a little mental list of the things that make you happy. Well, before we get into our final two questions here, I do have one more question because there's certainly some listeners right now. And, of course, we have people that are deeply involved with Athena, but we also have people that are just learning about Athena for the first time, or they might have thought it but not known what the organization is all about. So I'd love to have a elevator pitch from you to these people that want to know more about Athena. Mm-hmm. Well, Athena is an organization. It's a, a nonprofit organization. It's been around for 37 years. It started out by lifting women through finding a great role and um, inspiring the community to find their way toward their personal achievement. It started out with that in mind. It, It was based upon a quote by Plato, what is honored in a country will be cultivated there. So when we were honoring this one identified person who would serve as a role model for others, we knew that those, that person's values would be the basis for what people would want to emulate. And frankly, we made lots of good choices in the beginning because we haven't had to change a thing. Athena is an organization that, that, whose mission is to develop, support, and honor women as leaders so that we can achieve a balance in voices of leadership. That's our mission. That's our goal. But it's never been just for women. It's been men working together to achieve this balance because I think that we are coming to a time when we can see that being out of balance is never the right way to go. It, it, in physics, it isn't the right way to go. We've been out of balance in terms of leadership throughout written history. And I think we're finally coming around to recognize that have a balance in these things, that working together, that sharing the responsibilities, both at home and professionally, makes for a greater sense of harmony, a greater capability for achieving a richer tapestry in terms of the decisions that are made. So 
we're at a really nice, perhaps, tipping point in our world right now when we're seeing those countries or or cultures that are, are all male-based um, aren't achieving the kinds of outcomes that, at heart, they probably would just love to have. Peace, harmony, learning together, uh, achieving more, everyone having an opportunity to succeed. Uh, it's just a much better way, and I think we're getting around to that, slow as it has been. And um, how lucky for the very young people, the young Generation Z, I think they call it in this country, to be able to carry that trend forward and to honor it and to support it because it's going to make a difference in how we choose to conduct ourselves in this world as we in the next several decades. It's a very interesting time, and I applaud everyone who's working hard on seeing their small part in making that kind of thing go forward, including what the work that you're doing, Jeff, because I think that you are providing an opportunity for people to learn where we are now and where we can go. What is the vision for the future? And I think that um, people of vision, people who are creative can imagine what is possible and then take us there. That's that's what Athena did 37 years ago, and it's still working. But there's always the new vision ahead. What? How can we make this better? And it's a it's a collective work. We work together. Not one person, and it's not one group. It's all of us together. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, Martha. It's an honor for me to be a part of this podcast. And it is truly collaborative because there's an entire team behind me at Athena International that uh, really brings this podcast to folks on a weekly basis. And we have a lot of discussions and ideas and all sorts of things. So it's just it's just something that I think is a it just it's getting better. And but it's getting better because we're all pitching in and we're learning together. It's been an honor for me to be with you today. It's really pleasure and an honor. And um, I hope that um, between the two of us that there are people out there who have heard this, take away some little gem of an idea that maybe can sprout into um, an oak tree in their lives. Well, vice versa, Martha. I mean, it's an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. And I do want to mention to our listeners, if you want to interact with Athena, they're usually attached to a chamber of commerce in the area, not necessarily all the time, but uh, that's usually the model. Um, you can certainly Google them and look for them in your area. And if you're interested in perhaps uh, investigating doing something with Athena in your community, if it doesn't exist, then please contact me on the website in the contact section of womenreallymeanbusiness.com and I will connect you with international folks who will be more than happy to get you going on your Athena journey. All right, a few few more questions here, Martha, as we wrap up the interview here. Uh, and of course, I'm going to say once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but one of the resources I want to mention is MarthaMertz.com and go get Becoming Athena, Eight Principles for Enlightened Leadership. You will not be disappointed with that book. But Martha, what are some other resources you think that our listeners might benefit from plugging into? 
You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, before we disconnect, I'd like to tell you one unexpected outcome of Athena's work in um, the last several years as a way for people to learn what, how this model is applied and why is it important. So um, let me just tell you this story. I was at a conference and um, a perky, red-headed woman popped up in front of me. She said, I know that you're Martha Mertz, and I have read your book. My copy is bedraggled at this point, and I've just been released from seven years from Perryville Prison. And I would like you to take this leadership model into the prison and teach it. But, and I'd never thought about teaching this model to someone in a completely different setting. We had been teaching it to high-achieving women and those who aspired to be that and in other cultures, but I'd never thought about um, a population of women who had been removed from leadership roles in in their life. So I said, yes, I would do that, and that was in 2011. And since that time in Perryville Prison, a program has been set up. It's taught um, these eight principles are taught three times a year. When they put the sign-up sheets out, they're filled instantly. We take 50 women at a time. It's a woman's prison. And we've had about 950 women who have gone through this program in Perryville Prison. And of that number, about 600 have been released. Now they've done their time and they're out. One of the problems with prison populations is that it's that they they tend to go back in. They tend to find um, that it's impossible to get their bearings outside, and so they find themselves back in. The women who have gone through this Athena leadership model cl- set of classes. It's only six classes, but we make them work hard, and they have to go through a lot of our. Uh, exercises, but of that number, only about 5% have gone back in. And the standard return rate is 40 to 60%. So I think that is a very graphic explanation of how powerful this leadership model is. Um, when people finally stop and take a look at answers to the questions I mentioned before, who am I? And maybe add add a question. How can I make myself a different person? And they do that. And it's, it's work I've been um, involved in. There's a little nonprofit group that, that runs the work now. But I'd like to see that program expand in our country because there are people in lots of different circumstances that could that would basically be able to change their life, transform themselves if they have sense of I am somebody and I'm going to build myself now. It's time to build. So I just wanted to tell you that story. That's a, It's a great story. And you talk about making an impact, not only, as you said, on high achieving women or women that want to be high achievers, but also a population that may have been largely forgotten. And and it really brings up the point that one of the best resources in the world is literally the Athena leadership model. And Martha, there's really no reason why people like you did. You you saw a need, you filled it with the Athena leadership model, 
And there's no reason why people can't do that in their own lives. I think you had written in your book, and it was, um, I'm trying to remember this about the uh, the little boy that found, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to mess up the sea animal here, but he found the starfish and, and an adult came up to him and said, well, there's, there's thousands of starfish on this beach, and what's the point? You know, you're going to throw this starfish back. What does it matter? And the little boy said, "Well, it it matters to that starfish." And I think that's how people can think about making a difference with the people that are right in front of them and using the Athena leadership model to do so. You couldn't have told the story better, Jeff. It's exactly the point. Have the ability to do something. We all do. Regardless of how far our reach is, we all have the ability. I didn't start out to change the world. I wanted to change things in one little organization. And instead, it has traveled the globe. So all of us can be just looking for that one little thing that we're passionate about, that we can move forward in in whatever way we have. And boy, if we all got our own thing together, if we all started making a difference in one small way, just think what, what would happen in this world. Well, I start with the guest and I end with the guest. I'd like to hand the mic to you at the beginning and then hand the mic to you at the end. And We've had quite a far-reaching and extensive interview here, but I'd like to invite you to take the interview to its conclusion by addressing the audience with uh, whatever you would like to talk to them about. And uh, Martha, the floor is yours. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, what I'd like to do is really just go back to my last statement, which is believe that you can do something, really that you must do something. Um, what is the point of your life if you don't leave a different legacy? Think about the smallest improvement for somebody. Don't e- They don't even have to know that you were behind a kindness of some sort or a smile for a person who could use a smile or some kind of personal exchange that will make a difference to someone. And as we all can do a little bit of something, you don't know the thing that you do might launch someone else into believing enough so that they do what they need to do for themselves. So this is a this is humanity. We're all in this together. These days we need Um, to believe that and to hold on to the possibilities and to move the the world for just one small step at a time. That's what we do. What a perfect interview for our 50th episode, our golden anniversary episode. Martha Mertz, thank you so much for spending all this time with us tonight. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jeff. I think that you are changing the world. It's a, it's a delight to have been part of this. Uh, thank you. That means a lot to me. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Vivian Jiang is an expert on the global economy as an executive with Deloitte Asia Pacific and has advice for companies considering going global. Also, she believes that home and work are equally important. You'll love this talk. 
And here's a little bit from Vivian. You're willing to be spending time really uh, seeing and believing. Uh, seeing is believing. You've got to spend time in those places and talking to the people and working through with them, understanding you know, their, uh, their perspectives and to appreciate their perspectives, sometimes respect their perspectives. You know, it's very easy for you to help us grow. All you have to do is rate and review us on the podcasting service you use to listen to Women Really Mean Business. It's so valuable and important. We appreciate you, and we hope you're back for the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International.